This is the Chicago Podcast Network. Hey everybody, thank you for downloading this episode of Out Front with AJ and Nick. I am Nick Sorantos, Editor-in-Chief here on the Chicago Podcast Network. Joined over the interwebs and Skype by my good buddy, AJ Signeri. AJ, say hello to the people. People, hi. Oh, that's... You changed the order of things, and now my brain is discombobulated. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so we've been away, I guess would be the way to put it. We uh, both were involved in different kinds of things the day of the inauguration, and we'll talk about that as the show goes on. Uh, AJ and I are as disheartened as many of our listeners are about with everything that's going on, but I wanted to come at it from a different angle. I wanted to talk about... The disconnect that people keep saying that we're all experiencing, but also I want to get into this idea of the two Americas and all that crap, but also just this thing that I've noticed happening in a lot of different forms of culture, none more so than politics and entertainment, and that is that they trade in their own currency, and what seems very important to people in Washington as far as politics go probably doesn't matter to anybody outside of their system. However, that also applies to the entertainment industry. They give each other awards. They have each other's, you know, speeches and everything and all this insider baseball stuff that they do. But really, it doesn't count for anything outside of it. And there's no better example of that. Nothing that makes me feel like I'm on the side of, I'm on the opposite side of what they would call the liberal elite than every year when the Best Picture nominees come out. AJ and I have talked about this now three years in a row, and we're coming back to it, but this time a little bit different spin. But AJ, here's my question to you. We'll start off with this. How much money do you think the Best Picture nominees made collectively this year? Collectively? Yeah, nine pictures were nominated. How much do you think they made altogether? Four point three nine five billion dollars okay well that would be incorrect the (laughs) (laughs) but but what's funny is you got the first number right it is a four it's 483 million dollars that's how much the best pictures made okay collectively that's hidden figures arrival lion fences la la land moonlight manchester by the sea hacksaw ridge or hell or high water two of those movies i'd never heard of until they were nominated Most of those are ones that I don't really care too much about. We'll get into that in a little bit later. However, AJ, do you want to know how much the top 10 grossing movies of the year made? That's what I don't know. $9.2 billion. Wow. And for those of you keeping track at home, that is 19 times the amount that the Best Picture nominees made. Now... Do I think that box office means that a movie is good? Of course not. There are plenty of bad movies, Batman v Superman being one on this list, that don't deserve any sort of praise, and they're not very good. However, of the top ten movies, I would argue that seven of them are pretty goddamn entertaining, including one that I haven't seen, but I'll, be- I'll give other people the uh, news that they want and assume that Finding Dory was entertaining. I don't care about the fish movie. I want the fish to be fricasseed and serve to me as Chilean sea bass, but that's me and my cold, cold heart. But $9.2 billion versus $483 million, and the nine movies that are nominated for Best Picture are nine movies that I got to be honest with you folks, you kind of got to go out of your way to want to see. There's not a lot in that list that goes, you know what I got to do today? I got to get up and go see La La Land or Moonlight or Lion or Fences. I'll give you Hidden Figures because, you know, good historical movie about a story you don't know about that has to do with the moon landing and you're still going to get some special effects. I'll give you Arrival. Sort of. I saw Arrival, and if you've ever watched the episode of Star Trek The Next Generation named Darmok, it's the same goddamn story. But sure, fine, we'll give you Arrival. But other than those two movies, there's not a lot on that list that people are going to be running to the theater to see. And here's the thing. I think that they're perfectly justified in doing that. However, these are the movies that the Oscars have determined are the best movies of the year. And I am sorry, but you cannot win that argument with me when there is Marvel Civil War, Deadpool, and honestly Zootopia out there to look at as to be nominated for Best Picture. AJ, I now await your art-loving, liberal, you know, communist heart telling me that I'm wrong in this thesis that this is a pretty good example of the difference between Hollywood and the rest of the country. Well, I mean, I think, you know, thinking about the Oscars in themselves, 
you know, it's a good microcosm of what we kind of saw, what we actually did see with this uh, the 2016 election and everything. Um, and I think you're absolutely right in, in so far that, you know, there are movies that a lot of people go see. Deadpool, um, other Marvel movies, Utopia, and others that people want to see. And they were box office, you know. And then you have these other movies, La La Land, Moonlighting, and all that, which they may be good in their own right, but it's not something... Like, I personally am not going to go see La La Land. I mean, I think Ryan Geisling is a good actor to a point. I personally like Emma Stone, but I'm not going to go see it because she's in it. Um, I'm not going to go see Fences. Um, so, but when you're talking about an Academy within the Oscars, and I'm not really familiar with the process and how they vote and everything. I know there's a lot of industry people, actors, writers, directors, are probably involved in the voting process. Yeah, there's like a um, certain... There's a, it, it has to be with like how long you've been in the business, when your last right. film was, like all this kind of stuff. Which and, is different from SAG voting, which was right. put that in context, right? Because um, that's all. That's all. That's a big union event, the SAG Awards. And then there's the people's, the people's Choice, where the people actually vote. Right. So I mean, without knowing who these people are, like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, like you really don't know who votes in or inducts all these bands in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We don't know who votes for these people or these pictures and everything, which really tells is is like La La Land something more in tune what Hollywood wants to say, this is a good picture, or is it really like something like Deadpool, where it had good CGI, it had good action, it had good acting. I think it, I think the writing was well, I, I quite would, honestly. I would argue the most realistic romantic relationship to be portrayed on film in some time. I really believe that. Like that, the way that those people acted are more how I've seen my friends interact with each other as a couple, with a familiarity and a comfortableness that not. I mean, granted, that's actor chemistry, but it's it's a great couple. Even though there's like, yeah, there's the weird sex stuff, but that's part of what makes them such a good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there's there's something romantic, very romantic about that movie in a weird ass way. It even has, I would argue, the most. And it sounds funny because it's it's a joke line. But I legitimately believe that the most romantic line I have ever heard said in a movie is, your face isn't so bad, I think after a couple drinks I wouldn't mind sitting on it. Right. I, whether or not, like, yeah, it's funny, but there's a... Do you understand what I'm saying when I think that that's, like, why that's romantic in a way? No, I do, and it's probably the most... So, AJ, what I'm really trying to say is this podcast for the year and a half that we've been doing it has all been leading up to me asking if I can sit on your face. Well, you can always sit on my face. I mean, that, that was, that's never a question. I mean... Isn't there a Monty Python sit on my sit on my face and tell me that you love me? I mean, everyone wants to sit on my face, man or woman, so I don't, I don't care. Is this where we do the, all right, who wants a mustache ride? I don't care. Super Troopers, yo. Super Troopers. Super Troopers 2 comes out this year, too. I mean, my mouth is big enough for anybody, so I'm just saying. We don't call them the bass fish for nothing, folks. All right, anyway, going back to our <laughs> series. Thing, we're, 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 we're cycling the drain here. Let's save our show. Um, but uh, you, you make a go, like going to see La La Land. That's the best example, I think, of all of these because we always hear um, people talk about every, and, and I've said this to my roommates and a bunch of my other friends, every year without fail, there is at least one movie nominated for Best Picture that is about making movies. Every year. Because people in Hollywood think that that's a really interesting topic because that's their lives. I, I am, honestly, I'm sick of movies about making movies. I really am. Like, the, the, the one that came out last year, Trumbo, with uh, Brian Cranston, great movie. But the lesson that they take is, well, it's about making... No, it's about a man overcoming the blacklist. That's the interesting part of the story. I don't... I, I didn't care about the movie part of it. I don't care. I know how... In today's world, if you don't know how movies are made, it's because you don't care how movies are made. And I'm, I'm just looking at this list going, 
you guys don't get it. And then you can almost make that same conversation happen with Donald Trump, where you just go, the, the people who go out there and say all this stuff. And I, I understand in, in a little bit why people would vote for Trump. I get it. I just didn't believe that people were dumb enough to believe a con man on that scale. But I understand why you would want to fall for it. And mm-hmm. I look at this list of movies and I go, you're telling me that Rogue One, which made a billion dollars in three weeks, is not a good is not as good a movie as Arrival, which I saw and I had to watch twice to try to understand what the hell was going on. And then when I finally figured out why I didn't like it, it's because they skip all the really interesting stuff to give you a romance story that isn't very convincing and to waste my time with a lot of weird stuff about the time. Look, I've seen this movie three times already. It was there was gravity, which was more about surviving it. But then I had Interstellar, then we had Inception, and you know this year it, it, it's it's a rival, and it's all about well, time isn't really a thing. Yeah, okay, I get it. Can we stop having movies about how aliens? It's just I get very annoyed every year, AJ, with these Oscar nominations because I'm sorry. Give give ninety percent of the people in the United States a choice. Would you like to watch Manchester by the Sea or would you rather watch Deadpool tonight? You know what I'm saying? Well, it's, it's the other thing that we said before. Also, is that Hollywood particularly doesn't want to nominate nor want to offer an award for nerdy slash geeky films. Right? They just don't. I mean, they, I mean, I mean, for me, I mean, I would love to see any of the Marvel movies win something. I mean, I, I, I not, would say not special effects because I don't think, win that. I, don't, I don't think what not special effects, not that crap, not sound editing and spe- like that's I'm no, not- I would, I, I would, because I was gonna say, um, I, they weren't nominated this year. Hold up, next year they'll probably be nominated, um, like Doctor Strange. No, it would have been. If not, you t- it's nominated. What? It's nominated for special effects. Is it right? But my point with special effects and, and all that stuff is like that's the stuff that people don't pay attention to. They never win best. Like here's a great example: never win for best adapted screenplay. They'll never win for best original screenplay. Because and that's actually a right. fun question to have amongst your friends. What does a comic book movie count as? Is it best original or best adapted? Because if they don't take one particular story and adapt it, if it's a series of like a bunch of different comics and a bunch of original stuff, does that qualify as an adapted screenplay or does that qualify as an original? Anyway, they'll never get nominated for that. They'll never get nominated for... And I'm look, here's a great example. I watched Hidden Figures, okay? It's a drama, which means there's about seven camera shots in the entire movie that are different. Here's a long shot of a hallway. Here's a close-up. Here's a you know a, a frame shot. There's nothing really that great about it. You're telling me that that is, that is a more difficult thing to direct than the airports, the Russo brothers should win Best Director for the airport sequence alone in Captain America Civil War. That sequence is the most difficult thing to do. You need to give 10 characters at any, actually 12 characters who are all worthy of screen time, equal amounts time and drama to make their inclusion worthwhile into the story. And you have to, and it's a, it's a half an hour sequence that you need to work out for three months beforehand. You've got to CGI it in for six months afterwards. You have to frame every shot possible, know what you kind of want it to look like before you start filming and all of that, as opposed to a movie like arrival where you show up with a camera and go, okay, now stand there and look sad. No, 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 sadder. No, 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 not that sad. Like, you're not your kid is dying, but like your kid broke its arm and is very upset kind of crying. Can you give me that? Okay, meanwhile, the guy doing the guy's doing Civil War, and I'm going to need you to stand up there while he's over here, and he's going to act like he's throwing something at you. So please, you know, you got to react like you're really in. You see what I'm saying? Right. The difference in moving parts that you need to keep a thing, and that's. That's the stuff that makes no sense to me. And then I look at, you take that and apply that same thinking to what happened the last year, what's happening right now. I, I don't know about you, man, and, and, and we can switch into it a little bit more, but I, I get kind of annoyed with people right now who come up to me, and I'm guilty of it too, I guess, but I'm guilty of the, uh, 
it's all fucked up report. The, okay, well, what did Trump do today report? And then you go on and you're like, well, he put a gag order on the EPA, put a gag order on the USDA. He's, you know, said that he's going to build the wall to, this morning. Now the now they're going after sanctuary cities and all this crazy stuff. And the truth is, if you, once he won and the Senate was gone to Republican and the House went Republican, honestly, AJ, you and I follow politics pretty closely. Nothing they do is shocking right now, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like people flip out over every one thing, and I and I, and that's what I'm afraid is going to happen, is that you're just going to we're going to constantly be reacting to yesterday's news instead of getting ready to prevent what's going to happen in the future. Because what I've noticed is if you start talking to people about what you think could happen, they call you crazy, and then when it happens, they 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 look at you and go, oh well, I guess we should you know go and protest stuff and all this, and you know there is a great point where somebody made goes, look, if all those people out there who were marching had done so a month before the election, you know, maybe things turn out differently. But now that they're angry and they're reacting, and the, the, the trick is how do you turn angry, reactive folks into people who take action beforehand, into those, who, I, I can't think of the word, but to be proactive. How do you take reactive people and make them proactive to prevent stuff in the future? And I do believe, Mr. A.J. Signary, that that would be your area of expertise. Well, so a couple of days ago, a friend of mine were talking about the Women's March, and, and it was great. It really was great. Um, hundreds of thousands of people came out in D.C., Chicago, New York, Philadelphia, Seattle, even Paris and Sydney. Anchorage, Alaska. Was having all these things, which is great. But... Some of the things I've heard from people who went to those marches, you know, were just saying, well, what's next? You know, what what, what are we going to do and everything? Like, even today, I came out of a meeting of women who went to D.C., and they were even asking, like, what's next? You know, what can we do? And they started creating stuff on their own. There's, they're going to start stuff on their own as to the next steps and everything. The problem that we see when we have these kinds of events is this um, idea called like moral shock. And I mean, and I have, and personally I have to turn to the sociologist, James Jasper, who coined the term moral shock and how he defines it in his book, the, the art of moral protest is that an unexpected event or a piece of information, which raises such sense of outrage in a person that they become inclined towards political action with or without the network of personal contacts emphasize and mobilization in the process theories. In other words, with Trump being elected in office, with, uh, you know, when we had the bailout of um, Wall Street and everything, all these things that we get shocked about and people get angry about this, um, or even if they w- even watch a Michael Moore film, and they get inspired by um, Sicko or Bowling for Columbine. These are the people who like will go out and hold up a sign, or they just want to pass around a petition physically or through email, or just create stuff. Um, so, in other words, it shows that the would-be activists would not also know what other activists are doing, but they often will formulate their own beliefs on the fly. And along with that, when they hear like other rhetoric that doesn't match their own worldview, that it's almost like tectonic plates coming together and people might get caught in that quake and everything. So this idea of moral shock that's going on right now um, is really important to understand because this is where liberals and leftists will start dividing the most and when you start hearing like leftists say you know we've been on the ground we've been out front you need to be on our side and liberals like no we just witnessed this we saw this you need to get on our side that's where that divide comes in it's because of that moral shock well, and, and, and wait, wait, yeah, go ahead i was just gonna say that if people want a, a, like an idea of if you're not under 
if you're not getting it, think of it as the idea of the current split that exists within the Republican Party. Physical, you know, pragmatic conservatives versus diehard Christian conservatives. And, and that you're getting a similar thing happening in the liberal community where you've got people like you and I, and you are even further to the left than I am, where you just kind of go, look, we, we need something cohesive, but if we keep splintering, among, at least in my head, this is the biggest thing with me lately, is we keep splintering amongst ourselves, you know, it's really going to be, you lose the power of the en masse. The best example of that, by the way, and honestly, the part that I agreed with a lot of people was there were women's organizations who wanted to join the Women's March, but they were, Women's March, but they were supposedly pro-choice, or no, they were pro-life, and they were asked to not attend by some people organizing the, the march in D.C., and that's the stuff where you start getting into the, you know, one of the most uncomfortable conversations you can have of what is a real feminist, what is a female feminist what versus a male, you know what I'm saying? And once mm-hmm. you start splitting people down the middle, like you're talking about with leftist liberals, or you can call it progressives and social, whatever the hell terms you want to go with, you lose the number one thing that you need, which is cohesion. One of the reasons uh, I always tell people that if you, you think of it like when you're in power, you're the empire. When you're not in power, you need to be the rebel alliance and say what you want about the rebels, but they're united in one single goal. And right now is the opportunity for people to come together and focus on the one goal, which should be stopping Republican agendas from being ramrodded down our throat. But you have this blimp. I don't know, Jackass Von Hairpiece? What do you want to call him? This, I don't call him an albatross. I don't like to call him Chester Cheeto. Okay, Chester Cheeto. That works for me. It's eat not easy being cheesy. <laughs> for those of you who don't know what I'm doing right there, look up Chester Cheeto, Family Guy. You'll thank me later. Yes. Neil Peart is a fucking god. And keep playing it over and over again. And then go buy a bag of Cheetos and... Don't do what he does because I've tried it and it hurts. Um, What's with the Red Hots? No, I want Cheetos Red Hots. Thanks, man. Um, <laughs> haven't had them since I was like seventeen because I don't think my butt can handle it. But sure, why not? Um, but looking at all of this, man, that's been going on, I and mean, we can get into the specifics. I mean, since since he was inaugurated on Friday, we did a show. Three day uh, a week before the inauguration. It's basically been two weeks since we've done a show, and in that two weeks, everything that you thought he was going to do, he's done. He hasn't gone as far on some stuff as he has because you know what Trump and every new president learns is that you can't do everything you want on day one. But here we are. We've got a press secretary who has already lied to the press twice. We have, and then denied the lying, even though he was caught in a lie. We have a president who cares more about the numbers at his inauguration than he does unemployment figures or security briefings. He goes to the CIA and spends 20 minutes talking about how many people attended his inauguration, and 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 that's about it. That's really the most of what he said. He gets up this morning, and he signs all of his stuff about the wall, so now the wall's going to start getting built with American money, even though, you know, Mexico's going to pay for the wall. He's decided to, dis- you know, to break apart NAFTA or to renegotiate NAFTA. Now Mexico's saying they're not going to stay in it. You know, you've got a president who clearly believes or is claiming to believe that 3.5 million people voted illegally because he doesn't, he legitimately doesn't understand how big of a number that is, I guess. Like, th- that would mean for 3.5 million people to have voted illegally, folks, that's like, in some cases, entire states. It's actually more than states, right? How many people voted in Illinois last year? Well, um, in the just the general election? Yeah, I'm gonna look it up right now. Because I'm I'm just curious. It should be come up real quick, right? Five million. Yeah, it's it's basically like five point five million people, roughly. Yeah, voted for president. So that basically means that almost two thirds of the state of Illinois voted illegally. You're going to tell me that that many people have voted illegally, especially since there hasn't been a single proven case of illegal illegal voter fraud in, I don't know, the last three presidential elections? So, Well, there's never voter fraud in Illinois. Well, I mean, there is, but, you know, we've, listen, we have, we have a system. Okay, AJ? We have a system. It's fine. Okay. Okay. Just, 
<laughs> it's fine. We're Chicago. Okay. Okay. I'm just. I mean, look. There's. There's. There's a system. There's. There's cheating, and then there's legislative cheating, and you've got to love legislative cheating. It's what the House of. Uh, it's what the House of. Uh, House of Representatives does every year when they gerrymander their districts. Which is great. Look, and, and here, you know the worst part about Trump being president is there are a couple things of his that I actually agree with. Number one being term limits. And he's claimed that he was that, look, that was one of his 17 day one promises. Hasn't done it yet, you'd notice, but that was one of them. I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm, I'm looking at this stuff and I talk to people about him and I go, the, the danger, look, everything domestic policy that you don't want to have happen if you've lived in Illinois your whole life is going to happen. And, uh, you know, they're going to nominate people to the Supreme Court, most likely, who are against Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade will be challenged. I don't think it'll be overturned, but I think it will be argued before the Supreme Court, and people are going to lose their goddamn minds. And health care is going to be gone. They're going to repeal Obamacare without a replacement. So, you know, millions of people are not going to have health insurance. Even the ones who are paying for their insurance are going to lose it as a result of this. People are going to die. They don't seem to give a shit. And finally, you you look at him and you look at all the, you know, just the ego shit. He's the most easily to manipulate president probably in history. And people are going to take advantage of that. All that shit is just on the ground. That's just going to happen. And the rest of us kind of need to move past it. The stuff that's scary is the ending of the world stuff that I believe is an actual threat. And people look at you when you say that like you're a nutcase. I feel, AJ, I honestly feel that this is what being you has been like for the last 20 years, where you're, ju- where you're just kind of like, yeah, no, it's it's that bad. And the fact that you don't see it, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Like, it's been that bad. And, and, and Yeah, like Chicken Little. Is that, is that what you felt like? It's Chicken Little, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, and everyone just ignores you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and now that's me. And I'm that guy. I used to be the hopeful guy for the future, Star Trek and all that. And now I just go, look, if we can make it through the four years without the nukes flying, I'm calling that a win. That is now my bar. I'm not even kidding you. I expect that by the end of the year, the town of Evanston will have polluted lead, will have lead and tainted water, even though they get their water from the lake. And anywhere that's poor, I imagine, is going to be eviscerated for any natural resources that they have. Those pipelines are going in. They're going to have problems. And 10 years from now, one of them is going to break and destroy an ecosystem. We're going to lose clean water everywhere. Living in Illinois is actually the best thing that you can do because the lake's right here. Other than that, places that don't have large bodies of water near them are going to get fucked over. Anyone that imports water over long distances, you're going to have to cut your spending and, and figure out a way to get your water to your town. Flint, Michigan is the canary in the coal mine. You know, that's going to be it. They finally, I think this morning, announced that it's below the lead level in the mains, which doesn't do anything for the pipes and the houses, but they finally got it below federal minimum level, which, by the way, was raised last year because, you know, great. Uh, it, it, it's just this is the this is the world and then i look at the best picture nominees and i say fuck you you elite ass people who don't understand what you're doing that's why i got mad at meryl streep i got mad at meryl streep when she spoke at the golden glows because i was like one you know what you're doing two you're you're exacerbating an already bad situation and three you don't know what the fuck you're talking about when you immediately badmouth football and mixed martial arts hey honey people like that stuff you don't have to like it, but you don't have to be a dick about it. As someone who loves pro wrestling, I got to tell you right now that that offended me only in the idea that I'm an idiot because I like something stupid. I believe Meryl Streep that your obsession that I assume because I get her confused with Martha Stewart all the time. So I would just assume that she has those. What, what are those? You're from the middle of Illinois. Those things that you put out at Thanksgiving that you fill with other stuff. The horn looking thing. What is that? Hey, um. Cornucopia. Yeah, fuck you for knowing that. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a cornucopia, which sure, why not? Because that's a good name <laughs> for something. But I imagine that Meryl Streep has like hundreds of them all over her house. Don't you picture Meryl Streep as one of those people who's like every suburban mom you ever knew growing up? There's a lot of beige in the house. You but, know, there's at least but, one room that I no one's allowed really, in. I think it's really imperative to, to know that Meryl Streep is also established Hollywood. Yes. And, 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 and she, you know, for those who don't know, like, you know, she has a degree from Yale, you know, 
so she also she also has like this East Coast attitude about her as well. Um, and if you look at like the movies she's been, I mean, she's been in good movies. Some are okay. I mean, there's some I liked that she was in, but it's if you look at her, her um, Baldwin, um, Alec Baldwin, that is Alec um, Baldwin. I would and some and other people like them are established Hollywood, and what I mean by that is like they can get certain roles when they want to. They are among the rank and file of the Screen Actors Guild. You know, these are the people that you have to suck up to in order to be nice in the union. Oh, I wanted to tell it's you. Uh, speaking of that, I want to tell you something funny. Did you watch Thirty Rock when it was on? Yeah. Okay, so do you remember towards the end of the show when they got bought by Cable Town, which was basically Comcast, and they had that guy come in who was like a Vietnam vet but was like a crazy dude, but he was the CEO of the company? Yeah. Okay, I found out later after the show had ended that that guy was the president of the SAG. Really? Yeah, so that was... Of that time. of At that time, up until he died a couple years ago. Right. And, but he was the president of the Screen Actors Guild. And Alec Baldwin is like, I think, like the associate leader or whatever. Like he's underneath yeah. him. And I don't even know who the president of SAG is right now, but I know that Alec Baldwin is gunning for it. And so he had on that guy on his show. And if you don't think that that was Alec Baldwin playing politics for roles that he can get later because the Screen Actors Guild has a speak in that, you're nuts. It was a political well, move. That's the thing. If you go to YouTube, and there's some things I've been watching on YouTube. It's um, why this actor doesn't are not in movies anymore. You yeah. know, and a lot of them is like because they made bad decisions as to what film projects they're going to do. But if you kind of like look at some of the people that are not in movies anymore. Um, you would start to know that either A, they were given these positions because they may, may have pissed someone off in SAG, or um, they didn't make poor decisions on their own free will. But, but it comes down to it's still a union out in Hollywood. Like, if you're part of SAG, you know, you have to do certain things. The, the stark reality, I remember when I was doing stage acting in, in the university over in Iowa, um, like we hired a, um, a director. And one of the first things I learned right off the bat was he asked if our stage was union. And I go, we're not because we're a university. And I didn't know anything about union, union in the arts whatsoever. So I got this real quick education about well, I need I, I have to do this I can't do that, blah blah blah. And you know after talking with him in those nine months, and even after um, the production that we did, uh, it was a really interesting telltale of the parameters that actors, writers, directors. And the crew of both stage and screen are restricted by. And it's kind of bullshit, in my view. Yeah, it is. There's, there's, <laughs> Screen Actors Guild unions, unions in general can force your hand. But again, this is when we get into it because I, I got no problem with a union guy telling you what you can, what he can and can't do. It's annoying, it's frustrating, but. If if you don't, this is this is my theory on unions and like what they're allowed to do. If you don't like it, figure out a way to negotiate with the union. Uh, that's always how I've been. I know that it's annoying as hell. Like I worked at a an event up in Waukegan where they were running wires, and I was just like, "Well, I'll give you a hand." And the guy's like, "No, you can't. You're not union." I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm not getting paid. What difference does it make? He goes, "No, you cannot do it. You're le it's like illegal for you to do it." Okay, that sounds insane, but sure. We're, but fine. But if you're, you know, you're talking about Screen Actors Guild, you talk about the Oscars, you talk about this Hollywood elite. But I, I, I'm, what I'm trying to get into more than that is, if you got an actor out in Hollywood and somebody goes, well, his last four movies were terrible, so he's gone to the, to the industry. 
Yeah, that matters in L.A. That doesn't matter in, and they always use Peoria or Poughkeepsie. But it doesn't matter in Peoria. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's, there's, there's no, the, the, this idea in, even in D.C., where, well, there's all this stuff going on. I guarantee you, you ask most voters about the ins and outs of a, of a congressman or a senator's personal life. One, they don't know. Two, they don't care. You know what I'm saying? Like even the people, no, I do. Even the people I do, who cheat, it's like it's a big, politics. Yeah, but it's a big deal for a week, and then nobody cares. the The people in Washington care. The people in the state houses care. But most people don't care. It doesn't affect the voting. People vote, in my opinion, based on what what they've seen on TV for the last few months is really what they care about. I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. done. so. I look at all of this now, and I'm just like, yeah, this is exactly what's going to happen. This is, this is the world that we've all created for ourselves. There are the, the, that whole deal that from a few years ago, there are no two Americas, and I and it's like, no, there there kind of are, you know, there, there's there's city and there's country, and then there's people like you who who live in this weird in between area, but for the most part, it's city versus country right now. And, and city has more people, country has a little bit more power, and as somebody f- said to me once, I think it might have been you, don't fuck with the people who make your food, because, mm-hmm. look, we live in the city, we need farmers, we need those people to make our food for us, and if we're not willing to do that, it, it, it's, it's like, those are the people like, well, we should write them off, you can't do that, these are the people who make everything that make this country go. And like all the shit that we all live on in the city is dependent on what happens in the agricultural communities of our country. So it's, it's, it's an untenable situation. I don't know how we get out of it unless I, here's my fear. AJ. Are we really at the point where the only two options are civil war or one side just kind of surrenders to the other? Cause that's what it feels like right now. Yes. That's where we're at. I mean, that's my simple answer. Yes. And, and and unfortunately, it's either going to be a civil war, but in order for civil war not to happen, um, you, you just have to. So there's this th- idea called um, Pascal's Wager, and so what the the, the the idea is that it's mostly played in religion that people believe in God because they kind of wager on some sort of morality, so they can go toward God and everything. But if you take that same idea into politics, where people wage on Republicans and Democrats because that's a safe bet. So I'm going to wage on Hillary Clinton because that's a Democrat. Democrats do well. I've been a Democrat. Here you go. Let's play ball. That didn't lose. But you're still going to keep waging on Democrats or Republicans. All that to say is if you're going to keep wagering on the same two, pe- the two same two horses, really the same two horses that has been giving you nothing but horse apples for decades, then you're really going to see a lot of other people so pissed off that you know they're just going to walk on the street and they're going to walk out of a job, they're going to walk out of a school, they're going to walk out of somewhere. Because they're going to be pissed. And when that comes about is when we start really going to see it is the minority, the real majority, or and if, if that minority is the majority, are they going to take real power and take shit back or have a civil, have a civil war on our hands again? But, so I'm looking up your Pascal's wager and it's the it's the climate change argument. In a way, and to the point, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for those of you who don't know, I'll read you the, the. This is the actual actual one. Thank you, AJ, for bringing it up. Everyone should get a little bit more culture every now and then. It's a argument uh, by Blas Pascal, and it says, "If one bets that God does exist, and He does, you win everything. Should right. you lose, you lose nothing. Should one bet that God uh, that God does not exist, and you win, you will win nothing. But if you are wrong, you will lose everything." And you can go the same argument with climate change. Why should we work to clean stuff up? Well, because people are telling us that the world is ending. And if I'm wrong and we still do it, things are a little bit cleaner. If you're wrong and we don't do it, we end up with nowhere to live. So, 
right. it, it's that same idea. But it's interesting to put that in politics because now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our rabble rousing friend to make his passionate plea for a third party that he strongly believes in. And so do I, but I just don't think it'll ever happen. AJ has not yet given up that idea. But I, you're not wrong. I mean, a third party is the way to go, but it's just then you start going into you want to get everybody under the tent, but everyone wants the tent to be theirs. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that's, well, how, that's, that's the thing. I, mean, the I, I, don't, I don't quite believe in a big tent because there's no room in the big tent. And once you start having a big tent, then it starts to become a three-ring circus and with a sideshow. And quite honestly, um, none of us are, are, are a sideshow. So that's why, sure, I mean, I would love to see people run as independent third parties so they can actually get like that voice into um, the legislative process and everything. But, you know, starting like this year has been really more about actionable items. You know, like we need to like really build alternative institutions and start taking our shit back, um, taking our property back by doing community land trusts, by if a school school district is not providing food, then we should be providing free breakfast for those kids, um, so forth and so forth, and a few other things outside of, you know, just serving the people. I mean, actually, you know, creating um, cooperative businesses, um, running certain collectives, things of that nature, because if we don't, then the state is going to win, you know, and the state cannot win if you start getting behind Things that are actually happening today. I mean, I've said it before in a previous episode. I mean, like cooperatives. I mean, if you start a cooperative business, state of Wisconsin brings in $652 billion in state revenue every year in cooperatives and the four different sectors that the cooperatives have. $652 billion. Even if you take a fraction of that and drop it into Illinois, you know, we can be somewhere in the black in our accounting and everything. Um, so shit like this actually happens. But again, people just want to dismiss it or it's like, well, that's nice, but we just can't do it here. Well, why the fuck not? I mean, if you haven't tried it, then you can't say that it hasn't happened. Well, you're like this podcast show. No one's done a fucking podcast show in Chicago. And here's Nick and I doing it for a year. Yeah, I, I, look, your 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 arguments are never necessarily wrong. It's just the difference of are people actually going to be willing to do it? I have no problem with the co-op thing. I think it's a great idea. But for whatever reason, you bring it up to with people and they freak the fuck out. You bring up, look, I bring up the universal health care. People suddenly act like you're you're gonna, you know, kill them because they're not gonna be able to see a doctor. Bring up universal health care with most people and they start going, well, I don't want to wait in line. And you go, what the fuck do you think happens when you go to the hospital now? You're, right. you're, but you're going to wait in line longer than the six hours you are forced to wait? Like, people romanticize and they think that things are better. I, I heard a stat once, and it was the idea that people who are stupid think they're smart. And people who are smart think that they're dumber than they actually are. And I, I wonder if that applies to a lot of other stuff that goes on. People in the U.S. just assume the U.S. is better because they're Americans. And there's no better example of that than healthcare. Well, we have the best healthcare system in the world. And I look at them and go, by what standard? By, by what? Access to stuff? You don't have access to everything. If, if you got lung cancer tomorrow, your insurance company up until Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act would have dropped your ass. You would have had to pay out of pocket and you would have died destitute with your family owing the doctor's money, even though technically debt's not supposed to be transferable. But the companies have gotten around that and allowed you to be able to now take on your family's medical debt because they've gone into that system where, well, if you take the the bulk of the estate as your inheritance, you also have to take on the debt, which was not the case before. So... That is part of it. This is when I get into it with the estate tax with people, where people freak, freak out. They go, I already paid taxes. And I said, yeah, look, you don't understand its purpose. If you're making the argument that you already paid taxes on it, you're absolutely correct. That's not the point of the estate tax. The point of the estate tax is to stop you from getting money so that there isn't a landed gentry, which we already have. 
And if people think I'm making this up, ladies and gentlemen, this shit is in the writings of Thomas Jefferson and in the Constitution of the United States. It's like the Bible, that part where the Republicans like to focus on the stuff that matters to them and they ignore the other stuff. And then kind of they do the same thing with the Constitution. We're like, well, that Second Amendment matters a lot. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But what about, the, what about the first, third, and fourth? And like, yeah, those are those are suggestions. But the second one, that's the one that's gospel handed down by Jesus Christ. And it, it's it's just. It's getting to the point, man, where, you know, you said it before, and I feel that it's not going to be a civil war. It's going to be a disaster. It is going to be an environmental disaster of such epic proportions that millions of people die. That will finally be it. You know, in I've said on the show, I've said to you, I say it off the air all the time, my religion is Jedi. If you look at any of my forums in the last 10 years, I write down Jedi. But really, my religion is Star Trek. By which I mean it is the guiding thing that that gets me through, and that's the idea that we are, that's what we should be shooting for, is to leave the planet and explore the galaxy for whatever purpose we can find, but also because that's the only logical way that the species survives. And we get further and further away from that every day when we don't take drastic actions to fix climate change. And even in Star Trek, that beautiful, noble vision of the future they still have to go through World War III before they get to the point where they're able to achieve anything. And I always thought that the beauty of Star Trek was is that we kind of had a warning, hey, we can avoid all that if we just kind of aim for this goal and stop killing each other. And apparently that's just too goddamn much to ask. End of rant. So why can't you just be part of the Lord of the Flies? Because I also have this weird moral compass that yells at me when I do things that are wrong. Oh, I know, I know. It's frustrating. Not that bad. It's not that bad, especially if you live on the animal farm. Yeah, I mean, we can keep. You want to keep referencing obscure nineteen sixties <laughs> literature that we're now living in? Like, I would love to be a big brother to you, but I don't really want to have to deal with any of this stuff. Oh no, I'm. Just, you can come on the animal farm with me, and I can show you the ways. Can your oven get up to four Fahrenheit four fifty one? I need to make sure I can cook my grits. Oh, yeah. Really? You're not going to play the, the, the reference game? We could have kept that going for a while. No, uh, we could have, but I mean, I would run out of books by that point. Well, you know, read more. It's good for you. <laughs> read more, because I have nothing else to read in my Yeah, library. I love when people tell me that. They're like, you need to look stuff up. I'm like, all I do all day is look stuff up. That's all I'm doing, is just reading information. I've My new favorite website to go to, to to quote things is the AP, because, you know, it's the AP. And I posted it, and somebody said it was biased media. And I went, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about if you think the Associated Press is biased. It's like a series of college interns running around the world who write one-paragraph stories. So I have a question. Yeah. So supposedly, you know, your Trump is saying, you know, Mexico is going to reimburse us at a later date on this wall thing, right? Uh Uh-huh. No one has really answered this question that I've always posed to people. The current exchange rate is that for American dollar is 21.20 pesos. Okay. Okay, so that means for, you know, one, 21, for 21 pesos is one American dollar, right? Right. How much is the wall supposed to be built? I think the last time I heard it was 80. 263 billion or something like that. So you're going to bankrupt Mexico on this thing. Yeah. <laughs> on their current with the current exchange rate right now. Well, he's going to renegotiate NAFTA and everyone's going to win because Trump is nothing if not a equitable deal maker. Where everybody comes out on top. Oh, and what's your and what's your own take that Trump wants to send the feds into Chicago? I didn't want to get to this today. I figured we should wait until we heard more of the plan. But sure, on on, on spec, it's this. Uh, for those of you who are listening to this show and have listened this long, and we're going to get into this now a little bit, the National Guard has been called in to police a civilian population that I know of off the top of my head uh, outside of disasters, by which I mean hurricanes, earthquakes, volcanoes. Volcanoes, like that's been an issue. But... You know, earthquakes, 
hurricanes, tornadoes, shit like that. The National Guard is called out occasionally for that. Not even most of the time for that, but they are called out. Other than that, AJ, can you think of another time when the National Guard was used to police the civilian population? I can only think of one, and that is during the 1960s, during the Civil Rights Movement. Am I wrong about that, or, or is that it? I no, because, I mean, the Guard was called in for... Selma, I want to say. Okay, but like uh, that, but that's what I'm saying. Like they were used in in a little bit during the civil rights movement. But here's the big difference: with a clear objective to achieve in a X amount oh. of time. Oh well, if you want to go like with Reagan and the um, control towers. Okay, there's another one. There you go. But even that is 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 still the same deal. It's a clear objective. We are here to take control of the of the of the air traffic control towers, right? So they bring in the air force and they take it over, and they basically allow these guys to strike, and it doesn't matter because the because the people need to land planes. Uh, I believe somebody federalized the trucking system at some point during. I think it was uh, somebody federalized the, the the trucks at one point to, during a strike, but might have been Carter and stuff like that, but. Never to police, correct? Well, I'm gonna say because didn't I was trying to think. I'm trying to think if Bush Senior did it for the LA riots or not. I don't believe he did. I See, think I, so. I think that'll be the only time I can think of if for anything related to like Chicago would be the LA riots. And I'm that's what I'm trying. To, I'm, that's what I'm fuzzy on if the National Guard was called in for. That well, like the '68 Chicago riot was all cops, right? National Guard never came right. here. Um, and I'm trying to think if it's because that's a good question. I was always under the impression that it was still the LA cops, and they just kind of gave it up. Uh, no, so they did bring in the National Guard. They brought in the Seventh Infantry of the California Guard and okay. First Marine Division. Uh, Fifty-five people were killed during the riots. Two thousand people were injured. Um, but it was because the cops were unable to get control of the area. But even that makes sense. You're going in to control a certain area. This isn't to quash a riot. Like, that's the thing that they don't understand. You were talking about sending the National Guard to police drug trafficking in the city on the south side of Chicago in an area where they don't know necessarily the territory, the people there does, and you are now creating a situation where the government could go to war with a civilian population of an area. That's what you're talking about. This isn't... Putting a kid in school in in 1968 in Alabama. This isn't trying to quash a riot. This 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 isn't cleaning up after a hurricane or getting people to move back into their houses in New Orleans. That's not this. This is we are here to stop drug trafficking and murder. Well, some things that people need to consider, AJ, if they're going to do something that fucking stupid. Number one is the people who are there already live on the people who are in the drug trade who live there already live under the threat of death every day i don't think that putting humvees on the corner is necessarily going to deter them right away secondly are you prepared to go all the way if you're the president of the united states are you going to give an order that people need to live under a curfew in that area and if they violate that curfew that they're violating military law are you going to give them permission to shoot on site are you really ready to be the guy to gun down american civilians whether they're gang members or not because they don't follow orders from the police? What about the people like you and me who would literally walk the streets of the South Side with signs saying, how dare you be here? This is against every policy and law that we have. That's my concern. It's the slippery slope. And I make that argument all the time, but I fear the slippery slope more than I fear most things. Because once something becomes normal, we're all okay with it. There's no better, there are examples of this throughout even recent time. Try to imagine your life, ladies and gentlemen, right now without a cell phone. What was your life like before a cell phone? It's hard to remember that, isn't it? It really is because you've had one for so long that you've gotten used to it. That now it's just part of your day. I have a cell phone in my pocket. Imagine your life before email. And for those of you with kids, you can't because you've had it your whole lives. But there was a time in my life where I didn't check my email every day. I didn't, right. check, you know, I checked it once a week, maybe on AOL because I had mail. But you didn't check it every day. You didn't check it every ten minutes on your phone. You didn't have Facebook. Try. To, there's a great one. Imagine your life, your social life right now, and then imagine what it was like before you had a Facebook account. It's it's next to impossible. Because you're so used to it. And if you put 
if you put troops on the streets in a major American city long enough, people will accept that that's okay. And then we stop being the United States of America. I truly believe that. The minute you start having troops marching the streets, he talks about having military parades during his inauguration. We haven't even gotten into his address because I can't do that. I can't. I refuse to spend an hour and a half on that speech. It is. It was the most disgraceful inauguration address I have ever seen. Uh, and heard, and I've listened to a lot of the other ones, and I've read even more of them. People would be surprised how easy that is to do. But I've read inaugural addresses. Lincoln's second, second inaugural of the, or no, Lincoln's inaugural address talking about appealing to the better angels of our nature. You know, this idea is important that every inauguration has been about setting the policy for four years. And the only thing that I know that Donald Trump really believes at the end of his inaugural address is that America is a cesspool of, of shit, and he is the one to save us. And apparently the way that he wants to do that, AJ, is to send the National Guard to the south side of Chicago, fully armed with combat information, with combat stuff. And, and, and look, when bullets start flying, if living in Chicago or the area has taught me anything, is that if bullets start flying... They don't necessarily always hit what they're supposed to. And little right. kids get killed. And that's what's going to start happening on the south side of Chicago. More so than Absol- it already has. Absolutely. And by the way, you're also at that point talking about turning the... I, I, I honestly, I feel ashamed of this, but I'm in my 30s now, AJ. So my days of traveling and hanging out with a with young youngins of ill repute has has run out, but... Do you happen to know what the big three gangs are in the city? Is the Latin Kings? Latin Kings are still big. Gangster Disciples are still big, or are they? Did they get pushed out by the? No, Latin? the Disciples are still big. So um, the, the Kings, the Disciples. There was the P Stones, but I thought they got absorbed by GD. They did. Okay, so it's and I know. Then you have the, the, the Crips who King. are there, but I mean, it's not as big as right. Then there's places, MS, and then there's the Mexican Mafia, MS thirteen. Which merged right. with the Kings like 10 years ago or something like that. Right. So you're turning those people into terrorists. And people will look at you and go, well, they already are. I said, no, they're gang members right now. Right now they're criminals. And that's a different thing. But when you put a military into a civilian population for a long enough period of time, you are creating terrorists. There's, look at ISIS. ISIS is born from living under occupation for so long that you don't know what else to do. I will tell you this right now, ladies and gentlemen. AJ and I have talked about it a little bit kind of jokingly, but we both know that we have lines in our head. We're not even entirely sure where they are. But there does come a point where you'd be willing to take up arms against your own government. Right, AJ? There's a point. You don't necessarily know where it is. You know what I mean? Like, you have an idea. But it's, it's, it's scary because... How many times have you seen people talk about being an addict and they go, well, I promised myself I'd never do this, and then they start doing it. And as right. citizens, I feel like that's where we're at. I promised myself we'd never be prejudiced against another people. Now we are prejudiced against homosexuals and, and, and Arabs. We are. Uh, and, and black people. As a system, the system is prejudiced against them. And it's, it's shitty as fuck. And there's nothing to be done about it. But okay, so we've, we're comfortable with that again. I swore that we'd never put profits over people as a group, but we've done that the last 20 years. The line in the sand can be moved and can be moved and can be moved until you don't recognize where your original line was. And that's what I'm afraid of. And it's, it's, you talk about putting military on the streets of Chicago, I'm afraid of war. I'm afraid that that's the, that kind of stupid decision is the kind of shit that would start a second civil war. Because then you'd have people flaring up in other cities, and then you have to start sending in the guard to stop them too. And I will always, the one thing that gives me hope though, AJ, is believe it or not, um, the year 1991, you know why? Why? One of the most beautiful stories I've ever heard in my life, I only heard it when I was older, uh, I guess I would have been in high school, is when the Berlin Wall fell and um, the Politburo, the leaders of the Soviet Union government, were in the Kremlin. They gave orders to the Russian military to fire on the civilians demonstrating outside. And the story goes that the captain who was given the order to fire flat out refused, saying... I am not going to fire on my countrymen. They are who I signed up to protect and allowed them to move past them and surround the Kremlin for protesting. 
And at that moment, the Soviet Union fell. Like, everything that happened after that was whatever. But in that moment, when the military refused to fire on the civilians because they're the military and they're not supposed to do that, the, 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 the fear of their power ended. And, and that's the only thing that gives me solace about the National Guard being mobilized, is that I truly believe that an American soldier being ordered to fire on an American citizen would not fire. I really believe that. But I don't know. Well, I mean, this is, you know, it wouldn't be the first time, you know, we've seen that in our history. And even though this is on a state level, um, when the factory workers in Bayview, Wisconsin, which is the south part of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, um, they were striking because of, you know, unfair wages and working conditions and everything. So Governor Rusk at the time, this is about 18... I want to say it was just before Haymarket or just after Haymarket. So it was between the 1880s, if not 1890s. And when um, the workers, like, you know, they organized and then they actually went to the factory to um, strike and what have you, um, Governor Rusk, you know, enacted the National Guard to uh, essentially seize the factory. And if anyone got, you know, stepped on the property, they were shot. And. And that day, I do believe um, 18 people were shot. Two of them were 12 years old. So, I mean, it's like the first time like this thing has ever happened. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But you would hope that that was just long ago and it was far away and it was so much better than it is today. Uh, meatloaf quote for those of you who don't know what that is we gotta wrap this thing up and I wanna try to end on at least something fun or positive so that is positive <laughs> that's as positive as you're gonna get right there well it's no. January well I'm just saying it's January 25th so the best thing I can tell you right now ladies and gentlemen is this uh, in about a month and a half There'll be a new Wolverine movie, so you have that to look forward to. That's literally where I'm at. The bad Old Man Logan movie? Screw you. Old Man Logan's one of my favorite comic stories of all time. Why? Why do I like Old Man Logan? Uh, Did you read Old Man Logan? What? Did you read it? Yes, and I didn't like it then. You didn't like it when the Hulk eats him and then he cuts his way out of his stomach? That's like the only good thing about it. Nah, that whole thing's great. You're wrong. Plus, Patrick Stewart's in the movie, and I need a chance to watch Patrick Stewart be dramatic. I'm all for. Watch Blunt Talk. There you go. There's something positive for people. You oh, go. you know what I watched, actually? As I watched The Good Place. Which, oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. I liked it. That's what I forgot to mention at the beginning of the top of the show, because we didn't have time. AJ, you want to spend an extra few minutes and talk Slender Man? No. Okay. I watched the documentary. Remember, remember the last time we talked about Slender That's Man? That's why I want to bring it up. For those of you who don't know, the biggest fight AJ and I ever got in on the air uh, was about the two little girls in Slender Man. Uh, HBO just released that documentary. Uh, yeah, I saw that. Did you watch it? No, I didn't watch it. All right, do me a favor. Try to watch it before next week. I'd like to do it. I'd like to talk to you about it because it is the scare- one of the scariest things I've ever watched. I never thought you could see a 12-year-old sociopath. You, you you get to see a 12-year-old sociopath who does not understand what's happening and doesn't really care. Oh, I'm sure. It's 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 an upsetting documentary. Again, happy knows. We've got to end on something happy. What's happy? Uh, the Packers lost, so there's that. There's that. That's not happy. It's happy to some of us. We could talk about that. We could talk about the shittiness of championship weekend. You know what we could talk about that's happy? What's that? Cubs won the World Series, ladies and gentlemen. Fuck Cubs you. won the World Series. Uh, so long ago, it basically didn't happen. Yes, it did. We get reminded every day. Yeah, by the fucking merch. <laughs> They're using to buy stupid people. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're coming up on our 100th show. We got. I'm working on something special for both me and AJ that I haven't told them about yet for the 100th episode. Uh, other than that, I, I want to thank everybody for listening. We we promise that at some point our show will be happy. Maybe once, uh, maybe next week we'll have some fun and, and do something a little bit different. Talk some pop culture for the first time in 18 months because we really haven't had the chance to do that with all the depressing shit. Uh, if you're looking, ladies and gentlemen, to know what's going on in the world, you can trust the Associated Press. You can trust Reuters. For the most part, you can trust CNN. Just understand that they always make things seem worse than they actually are because that's their job to make money. But for the most part, I would simply say, the as John Stewart said, the most important thing to stop bullshit, and there's a lot of it flowing right now, is vigilance. If something doesn't seem right to you, if something doesn't sound exactly the way that you that makes sense in a logical way, you have the internet in your pocket. Look it up. Don't be afraid to do that. On the other hand, I would say, if you're talking about a movie and you can't remember the actor's name, don't look that up. That's probably in there, so take a second and try to remember shit. But when you're talking about important stuff, look it up. If you feel, feel you feel something's wrong, a great example is the the press secretary of the United States president went up and said that it was the largest crowd in the history of inaugurations. You know what, AJ? Are you there? Yes. It wasn't. It wasn't the biggest. See, what happens when you say something that isn't true? What is that called? We call it alternative facts. Oh, see, that's what they call it. Oz <laughs> calls it a lie. And I don't, facts. I don't mind a lie. I'm not that guy. I don't mind lies. They don't bother me that much. What I mind is when someone is caught in a lie and won't admit it. That's what pisses me off. And that's what's happening right now with the Trump administration. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're going to get up and getting out of here. Time to start the exit music. There it is. All right. Uh, AJ, say goodbye to the people. See ya. That, ladies and gentlemen, was AJ Signary, my good buddy over the interwebs and Skype. I'm Nick Serrano, editor-in-chief here on Chicago Podcast Network. This has been Out Front. We'll talk to you guys next week, try to bring up something a little bit more fun. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Chicago Podcast Network. You can find us on Twitter, Chi-Town Podcast One. And, of course... You can email us on Gmail, Chicago Podcast Network at gmail.com. All those wonderful ways to get in touch with us. Hope you guys had fun listening to us. We'll be back. Uh, other than that, I believe the expression that I'm looking for is uh, be out. Cubs won the World Series. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. You have been listening to the Chicago Podcast Network.